In this episode of Tim Talk, we open a new chapter in our podcast series where Tim chats with some of our community partners about delivering health care that is medically just. Today, Tim sits down with Sergeant Wade Betters of the Bangor Police Department about how we can work together to improve health in our communities. Thank you for joining us for Tim Talk. I'm Tim Dentry, President and CEO of Northern Light Health. I welcome you to join me for a frank discussion about racial, social, and medical justice. Our goal is to create a collective understanding of the issues that exist and find a better path forward. Through the first 10 Tim Talk podcasts we have conducted, we have discussed issues of racial justice, medical justice for the LGBTQ plus community, and domestic violence. Today, we are exploring our relationships with our community partners to see where we can work together to better serve our communities. Joining me today is Sergeant Wade Betters, a public information officer for the Bangor Police Department. Thank you for joining me here today, Sergeant Betters. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Sergeant Betters, first and foremost, I want to express my gratitude for what you and the rest of the Bangor Police Department do for the community we both serve. One huge lesson in healthcare we are learning all over again with this pandemic is that health and the risks of poor health start in the home and on the streets. The problems and needs are too great for any one group to go it alone. So we need to be a team and partner in constructive ways, work together to handle the events of real life. The police are on the front line of that effort, as are so many of my colleagues at Northern Light. So thank you for what you do. The reason why I started these podcasts was to add a human side to our Northern Light Health priority to build a work culture that values equality, inclusion, and diversity. In our society, there are many strong opinions and views on this subject, and emotions run high at times. I'm trying to get the word out that we care deeply for our 12,500 staff and their families and the communities we serve as we would care for our own family. These podcasts are just one way in which we are reaching out, listening, and learning from people who care and who we care about. So my first question to you, Sergeant Betters, is this. What could we be doing better to help you serve the community in a way that brings together the best of what our organizations have to offer? And can you cite an example to build upon, such as the existing relationship we have between Northern Light Acadia Hospital and the Bangor Police, where two of our Northern Light Acadia Hospital employees serve as community mental health liaison, riding along with uniformed officers to provide assistance with mental health and substance use calls. Sergeant Betters. So one of the things I think uh, that would go a long way towards helping both of us is you know, everyone talks about communication, we send emails, we get together, we nod, we make agreements, but sometimes we've noticed that the follow through, uh, the agreements we make, or we come to clarity or understanding on what both sides can do, or we're legally able to do things, doesn't always translate all the way down to the bottom level. And that's not, that's not, that's a problem that's everywhere in every company, you know, wherever you go, those are real issues. But for us, for the police officer who might be in the ER trying to, um, you know, get an OUI blood draw or we're trying to check in with a patient who we need to get information for, for a rapidly changing investigation, something that's ongoing. So I think that better communication on updates on the law and what hospital legal feels is within 
the ballpark communicated all the way down to lower levels would help us do our job smoothly and quickly. We want to be in and out of the ER as best we can. Basically, what it comes down to is that we want to make sure that when there are laws and rules that are changed or into effect that benefit both sides, the hospital's ability to share information with the police without violating HIPAA or exposing themselves to um, lawsuit or violation, uh, we want to make sure that that information is cor- uh, accurately communicated to all the staff that are most most of the time the boots on the ground with the police that are going to be exposed to having to making those choices or doing those acts. We even feel guilty. I mean, I've been there so many times over the years, and you look in the ER waiting room and you see people that obviously are, it's very obvious and apparent that they need emergency medical treatment. You know, you might have somebody with a, a broken arm that's in a sling or a kid that's still in his football uniform and his knees off the side of his leg, and you feel... You feel a little guilty when you come in there with uh, someone that's under arrest that's volatile, very vulgar, and difficult to deal with, and you need to get them medically cleared in order to get into the jail. Um, For the most part, the hospitals are always great. They kind of put them right to the front of the line, but we feel a little guilty when they're stepping in front of the line for other people have been waiting, right? But at the same time, some of these people are so volatile and angry, they're actually threatening, and we need to get them out of that ER as soon as possible. We've always appreciated some of the docs and the staff working hard to get that done. Um, And uh, we are very fortunate with the Bangor Police Department not to only have one, but two mental health liaisons that work for Northern Light through the Acadia Hospital that actually ride in the police cars with our officers. So 40 hours a week. We have people riding in the police car. They have bulletproof vests and things on, and they go to calls with us. Uh, obviously, we don't, we don't let them come in the room if it's a, a high-risk call, but they're there with us wait, or waiting in the car, waiting outside. They've been very, very helpful. It's crucial, and I can tell you that if we were told that the program was going to end, uh, it would be catastrophic to us based on the level of need that we have in our current community for mental health crisis counseling. So we use them all the time. So if we go to a call for a suicide threat or mental health issue or anything else that's not related but then becomes related to a mental health or substance issue, we will call the officer who has either one of them in their cruiser and say, can you come over to this call so they can give this person counsel? They can spend time with them. I personally talked for a solid 10 minutes trying to convince uh, somebody who is actively using methamphetamine I try to talk with them about where their life was going, you know, consequences. There was help, positive change, where they could reach out to get help. Um, the person was not interested. They did not want to talk to me, and mostly because I was in a police uniform. And I remember having Andrea uh, with us that particular night. I had her step into the house and come down and talk with this gentleman. He engaged with her. She talked to him about the things that he could do, where he could get help, and seemed to really connect with him. He even accepted her business card, which is something he was unwilling to do for me. Now, I don't know how that little situation worked out, but the lesson I learned there is the fact that because we have the people in the cruiser with us, it makes our chances at being successful greater. Very good. I really appreciate those specific examples and that kind of uh, experience and guidance. I know that is information that our hospital and especially our emergency service staff who are so stellar and do such a great job, they'll learn, you know, to be even better partners going forward. Thank you. My second question is about racial and social justice. What thoughts would you like to share that would help our listeners have a deeper understanding of a police officer's perspective on racial and social justice? I can see where people are 
questioning the integrity or the, the moral compass of some of the police departments and police officers around the country. Uh, we've seen things, uh, you know, we, we watch the news as well, and we're as disgusted by some of the acts that police have done, it's just, as, just like anybody else would be. All our officers here at Bangor PD, we receive training in racial injustice, and we receive training in dealing with people from different backgrounds, some of their characteristics, their body language, and things like that from different minority groups. Bangor PD participates in annual training. We stay up to date on all of the latest training when it becomes available to talk about racial inequities and how we do our jobs and what we can expect when we encounter people uh, from different uh, minorities, some with different heritages, and some people that are maybe even behaving somewhat erratically. We might get a call on a person, but for that particular person, it's kind of a normal thing for them. Um, So we look at all those trainings and we approach every situation as dealing with people Everyone, everyone is a person. So we participate in a lot of training. So we do have the training. We do engage people in conversation. Um, we always try to solve things through conversation by, the, you know, by officer presence, by just talking with people. We do crisis intervention training. We specialize in it, to be quite honest, because we, it's something we do every day of the week, all day long, dealing with people, whether it's phone calls, showing up at their house, trying to de-escalate situations. And for the most part, we're highly successful at that. Uh, but I wouldn't want the listeners to be fooled into thinking that uh, crisis training and de-escalation skills can solve every problem, because I couldn't be further from the truth. There are just some people in some situations that that will not work with. You have to have some cooperation or some willingness on the other side to work through de-escalation Sometimes when you have someone that's highly intoxicated um, on drugs or whatnot, there's no talking with them. You can spend an hour or two and you still, get, you still get nowhere. So there has to be an end game. There has to be a line in the sand. And oftentimes the police are the line in the sand. And when everything else has been done, we may have to use force because it becomes necessary. So we don't use force until it becomes necessary. And that use of force is dictated by the person that we're dealing with. If they make it necessary, then we have to use it. If they don't make it necessary, we don't use it. Um, we treat everybody fairly. We treat everybody the same. Again, we, we get training on racial and justice and equality issues. We're aware of it. Um, we do know that people are suffering and people have suffered in the past because of it. Sadly, it's still a thing in today's day and age where people are treated differently uh, based on color of their skin or their sexual orientation, religious things. We understand that. We do our very best to make sure that if they're going to be treated differently, it's not going to be at our hand or at our doing. Thank you, Sergeant Betters. I really appreciate your perspective and your thoughts. I want to take the opportunity now to hear what's foremost on your mind with regards to these issues. What would you like to ask of me? Well, as partners in our community, I think good communications are key to us working together. So how can we keep our channels open? And I'm thinking of things like sharing changes in regulations regarding patient information or other disclosures and medical concerns? How can we better manage what we can expect from you and you from us? Thank you, great question. And I believe it starts with respect for the police and what you do to keep our communities safe. And it includes an understanding that health and healthcare does not begin when someone reaches our doors at Northern Light. It starts in the community where they live and how they live. That is your canvas. If I could use that analogy for the most part. And so at Northern Light, we're trying to find ever more meaningful ways to connect and engage in the communities we serve from Prescott to Portland, Blue Hill to Greenville, through Ellsworth, Bangor, Waterville, Pittsfield, Dover, Foxcroft, and everywhere in between. 
I am so proud of our emergency department staff who are joined at the hip with our police departments, I know. I'm in all of our home care service that goes into the homes of those we serve hundreds of times a day. We have care managers and social workers that are um, very connected uh, with, with those that we serve that need our, our services. Many of our doctor's offices are located right in the neighborhoods. We're trying to make sure that we learn more about the social aspects, the social determinants of health. And I welcome an even more connected line of communication, perhaps to be more proactive together, as I'm hearing you say. And this is essential right now with the COVID-induced increase in domestic violence, opioid troubles, homelessness. And so my commitment to you is that starting with Acadia and EMMC, we will build on our working relationship with the Bangor Police Department and look for ways to be proactive. So that, as I often say at 3 a.m. on a Saturday night, our good communication channels and planning results in a smooth, safe handling of the situation. At Northern Light Mercy Hospital in Portland, we've worked really hard on safe discharge plans and linking patients with services. When issues have occurred, we have met with the police to discuss the cases and have taken action internally to address issues. This has included representatives from the the mission area, the ED, security, and executive management. So we have regular meetings with police agencies at the executive level and with officers at the patrol level, and we assist them in dealing with neighborhood issues. So um, I believe we can take that model. I know I've already spoken with the leaders of EMMC um, as well as Acadia, and there's a great willingness to uh, even find greater levels of cooperation and coordination. That's a great answer. Um, I like all the talk about increased cooperation and coordination. You hit on something about the COVID in the pandemic, kind of relates a little bit back to what we had talked about as far as kind of educating our surrounding communities at Bangor and Northern Light. It can't be the only entity dealing with a lot of the pandemic related issues when it comes to homelessness. You know, it's not an easy task probably to be a person at the hospital tasked with uh, finding a proper place to discharge someone that's safe. Um, That's why we need help from our surrounding communities to do less dump and run so we can have more of a connection to the people, uh, more of a connection with the people who brought them in for medical treatment so we can get their help in returning them to their home communities. What do you do when you have people that are outside all night long in the cold, you know, when they just want to come sit in the ER? you know, coming up with illnesses. So sometimes it's uh, it's an absolute, you know, I'll be honest with you, sometimes people fake injuries or illnesses just to get into the hospital. Um, I know that to be fact, so I'm very comfortable saying it. But the hospital itself should not be a dumping ground for the ER, just for a warm place to be. And uh, communication with our neighbors and our surrounding communities might be might be a little bit more helpful so we can get some accountability back on them. Very good. And you know, Sergeant Betters, I will admit that I was not fully aware of this kind of situation. Uh, I agree we have to find a better way to get the right care for people without relying uh, on the police for transportation or that's their sole portal for for care. Um, I don't know what the right way to do this is, but I do know that we have Northern Lake caregivers and hospital leaders that are closest to the action who are 
best equipped to do this right, and I have utmost confidence and trust in them. So knowing those people, I'll let them know that this is something to look into and work on with the BPD and other police departments in the region. Um, I think we can find ways to help with the both the accountability of those who bring the patients to our doors and also work on smoother connections with social services and other kinds of support systems in the community. That, that all sounds great. Um, I'd love to see a day in the future where we could have additional people from the hospital system out in the cruisers to be able to respond and come out into the field um, to join us on some, king, some maybe lower level things. Uh, that would be helpful as we continually try to divert people from going to the ER unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, one of the things we had talked about earlier was just the fact that there's a whole generation of people that have just become reliant upon emergency medical care treatment for everything medical in their life. Um, sometimes it's it's frustrating for us when we go into the ER and we're thinking, oh boy, I, you know, I, I got to get over to the charge nurse quickly and tell her that everything that could be done to prevent this from our, for, to prevent our visit tonight had been done, but it all failed, and that's why we're here. Um, having people out in the field with us or maybe joining uh, the, the workers from Acadia or hooking up with city public health, uh, going out and doing uh, on-site vaccinations for flu and hep and things like that, those are all things that benefit us um, that also help us keep people from uh, flagging us down or going into the ER when it's not really necessary. Very good. Thank you so much. And that will wrap up this episode of Tim Talk. Sergeant Betters, I really appreciate you being here and joining me to help us continue this conversation that we are having with our podcast listeners, but in particular, the time we've spent together. I really, really value that and appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you to you, our podcast listeners as well. Until next time, I'm Tim Dentry, encouraging you to listen and act to promote our culture of caring, diversity, and inclusion. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tim Talk. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to learn more about this subject, you can find additional information at northernlighthealth.org podcast. We welcome you to join us on November 19th, when Tim will be starting a new series on religious diversity and tolerance.